I, I want to give it up for our ushers as they manage to get people seated. Well done. Thank you very much. And I, I, I give it up to God. Thank you for the sunshine and how beautiful it is for our Easter egg dash and for some of you who had to park so far away. Uh, very, very thankful for that. Uh, 22 years. This is our 22nd year. This is my 22nd uh, time on a Sunday morning Easter celebration to share a word with you. And it is the first time that I've ever worn a suit. This right here says, I'm married. That's what this says. <laughs> I negotiated out the tie, all right? Um, so anyways, uh, there's a first for everything. Some of you, maybe this is the first time you've been to church. Maybe it's the first time in a long time. And I am just, it is so great to see you. I cannot tell you how excited I am to see you. I remember kind of checking out church and jumping into church a little bit here, and, and I was nervous, and I didn't know what I was getting into, and I thought church people were weird, and some of them really are and were, um, and, and I, I, I'm probably some of that weird to others, right? Um, but in the process, I, I found a God who loved me in ways I never thought possible, that I really never even allowed or entertained uh, probable, and so I hope the same for you. I really do. I hope the message that I'm going to share with you will will be a big step in that. But um, let me pray and ask for God's blessing. Father, thank you for bringing everybody here. Everybody matters to you in ways they cannot even begin to comprehend. God, please do your very best to speak through me. I have nothing to say, but you have everything to say to each and every one of us. Lord, anything that would come from me, may it not be heard, received, or understood. But I pray that your incredible message of love and hope that we have in Christ will make its way even into the hardest of hearts this morning. And I pray and ask for those who are not able to be here, who are watching online, God, that you would bless them as well, that they would sense and, and feel a, a part of this very special day. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Very good. Well, if you have your Bible or Bible app, uh, let's kind of get a head start here. And we're going to be in our very last study, the book of Matthew. We've been studying the book of Matthew since September of 2020, and this is the last day uh, that we will be doing that, and we'll move into a new study next week. But to get there, you go to your table of contents. You have your Old Testament, your New Testament. Matthew is the very first book of the New Testament, and whatever page that corresponds to, you'll be at Matthew chapter 1. Let's get to the very last chapter, which is chapter 28. So I want to set that up. Also, I want to note that you've got Connect cards that are either on the front of the seat in front of you or on the seat that you're sitting on, and this is how you let us know how you're doing, and that's very important to us. You can fill out the front side and, and then the back side a little bit later that you can drop into the boxes on the way out, or you can, uh, you can do them electronically. Those of you that are not here, you can do them electronically as well, or you can drop them off at the kiosk. Box. And that, this is a place if you have a prayer request or maybe you're really struggling, you need some help. We want to help you. Uh, or if you've made a decision or contemplated a decision, uh, we want to help you with that. We won't rush you or push you at all. We realized and remember how helpful it was for people, safe people, safe place to ask hard questions and not be rushed. And so that's what we're seeking to do. So please have that Connect card close at hand. This morning, it, may, it might encourage you. My, my intention is not to preach it's not to tell you how to live life. There's plenty of teaching in the Word of God for that. And there's, there's certainly the, the most Sundays, that is what I feel is my responsibility. Uh, today is really me stepping in, if I can say it this way, kind of as a news anchor. Some of you are old enough to remember when news was news. 
Today, it's been washed in, in politics in some way, and so you, you can't just sit there and listen to events that have happened. You have to somehow thread uh, through what you're hearing. What's the angle? What's the bent? What's the, what's the underlying subliminal political message that I've got to try to pick through here? And it's very frustrating. I, I, I can think in the last couple of years how I was finding myself longing. I just want the facts. I just want the news. I don't want your take on it, right? Well, this morning, I want to share with you the news. And I'm going to read it to you, and you're going to read it yourself, and, and um, you're, you're going to uh, draw your own conclusions from it, okay? Now, what's interesting is, and with any news service, whether it is you watch it on TV or your news app, they have to decide what's newsworthy. What do we, what do we put on the headline? What do we put on the, as the front story? What do we put on our homepage, right? It's, it's like, what's newsworthy? Well, typically what's newsworthy, the decision is made as to what is of general interest, uh, importance, or maybe specific need. You're hoping that those are kind of guiding what is being reported, Again, what is of general interest, general importance, or general need? Well, I, I think what we're going to look at today, the news I want to share with you, I think it, it fits and meets all of that. And I, and I hope to show you how, because what we're talking about today is very special and, and dear to my heart, because I, did not, I didn't follow Christ for a, a while. I, I, thought, I thought Christianity was ridiculous. I hated God. My father was killed when I was nine years old, and I hated God. And so anyone think, any conversation about God, I, I had no interest in whatsoever. And then I went off to college, and I, and I had a few friends that, that um, I really cared for. And they started to change my mind, and it was the resurrection that changed my mind. I, I tend to be a linear thinker to some degree, and, and, and it has to make sense. And I'm like, dead people don't come back. I'm, I'm sorry. If that's, if that's the linchpin of Christianity, well, then, you, you know, Christianity has a problem, in my opinion. And I remember my belief meter over the years of interacting with my friends I remember my belief meter when it went from, kind of rose and went from 49 and it clicked over to 51. And at that point, I couldn't deny in my heart and in my head that I had a sense that it was more likely that it happened than it didn't. And that changed everything for me, everything. And it freaked some people out, particularly my mother, when I came home from college and I was, I was different. And she thought, I, I mean, literally, she thought I joined a cult. That's, that's no lie. I mean, I got in a lot of trouble. And um, I don't know if my mom is here. She's going to be at one of these services. I, I should probably stop right there. Uh, but I think today can be very life-changing. I think it's very newsworthy, and I, and I hope that you'll see that as we go on. What I am going to ask is a favor. I'm going to ask, would you please, for today, would you suspend the doubt and the disbelief that you have in the resurrection? Because I, I want to talk about the newsworthy of the, of the, of the resurrection itself. I want to talk about um, the implications if it is true. And all I'm asking you to do, some of you will not have a problem with that because you're, you're followers of Christ and you're like, no, I, that's very important to me. But others of you will have a problem with that. And I remember when I had a problem with it. And I'm just asking you, can you set that aside? Can you just hit a pause on that and say, okay, let me, let me consider, let me evaluate the merit of these other things. And maybe that might impact how I see this thing. And that's all I'm asking you to do. Um, if we can go on that journey together, I would, I would enjoy that and, and thank you ahead of time for that. Believe me, there's plenty out there that defends and makes reasonable arguments for the fact that the resurrection actually happened. I mean, I went headlong into them because that became, for me, 
I really needed to understand that. Uh, if you'll go to our Facebook page, I have a link on there um, in our notes of this message where it'll get you started, and you can get some intellectual traction. And I think it'll challenge you to kind of go, wow, that makes sense. I, I want to know more. And so I hope to get you started down that road if you want to go, to, like I said, to the notes on our Facebook page. There's plenty out there. But news that is newsworthy is newsworthy because, uh, as I said, it's of general importance, which means it's of benefit to us. It has something to do with making our lives better, making me personally happier. And the thing that we all share in here, regardless of gender, of age, of background, of faith persuasion or not, every single one of us in this room holds in common that we want to be happy. And we're looking for that happiness. And we look in all different places. Some of them are great places to look. We look for happiness in relationships. We look for happiness in hobbies. We look for happiness in uh, weather patterns. We look for happiness in um, experiences. We look for happiness in possessions. We look for happiness in a certain amount of money. Uh, we look for happiness at work. We look for happiness in our children. I mean, we're looking for happiness. We're all looking for it. We're all looking for it. Are you happy right now? Are you happy? And by happy, I mean content, at peace, and joyful. Would that describe how you are feeling inside, what your reality is inside? Or is there some conflict? Is there some, some dissonance, some angst? And you're just thinking, it's the next this, it's the next that, and I'll be happy. Maybe I need to move on in my relationship. Maybe I need a new job. Maybe I need to move to a new state where it's sunnier. Maybe I need to choose a new football team because Russell's gone. <laughs> I say that as a full-fledged Minnesota Vikings fan. Thank you. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it's been a labor of love, my friends. But uh, I just wonder, is, is, is it a struggle inside? Because what I found, and I was, I was searching in all kinds of ways, what I found looking for those things, and again, some of those things are good things. The problem is when we make them godlike, when we make them like the, the thing we have to have or life is wrecked. And I remember being there. And when you look for happiness that way, you invite into your life exhaustion because you're trying to manage all of life and life is broken. You've probably realized that. You're broken, I'm broken. Every one of us in this room is broken. Some of us just hide it better than others. And some of our brokenness isn't as public as others or as problematic, but we're all broken. And that's just how life is. And so we try to find happiness in these things, but it's exhausting. And, and what happens is it creates anxiety and despair and insecurity and fear and angst. I mean, if, you, if you're having those things, if, if you go in and out of those, my friends, you're looking for happiness in the wrong places, I think. I, I would tell you, based on my own life, that, that I think the news that I have to share with you today will, will be good news to you. And that's what I want to do. I, I, I want to report the news to you. I, 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 and I start with 
our pursuit of happiness because I believe that makes what I'm going to share with you today, the news that we have written down for us, preserved and protected thousands of years that we have, is because our happiness is attached to this. Our, our contentment, our joy is attached to this. So let me report the news, if I can. Matthew chapter 28, if you'll follow along with me. After the Sabbath, which was the last day of the week in a Jewish calendar, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the new week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. They, they left to go see the tomb of Jesus. And they went on the first day of the Jewish week, which was Sunday. Why did they go? What prompted them to go? Well, Jesus has said before he died, he says, I'm going to die and in three days I'm going to rise again. And, and these, these young ladies, they, they realized that this was the third day because the three days that Jesus was referring to were three parts of a day. On Friday, he was crucified and he was buried. He was in the tomb all day Saturday and then the third day, Sunday, he rose. And, and they knew that that was what he had said and, and they'd seen so many other things that he had said that were powerful and impactful. Women were smart enough to go to the tomb. And so they go, and verse 2, suddenly there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and then approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his robe was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken from fear of him that they became like dead men. They fainted. But the angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been resurrected just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead. In fact, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Notice the two of those. With fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then Jesus met them and said, good morning. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. As they were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. After the priests had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, Say this, his disciples came during the night and stole him while he was sleeping. If this reaches the governor's ears, we will deal with him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were instructed." And this story has been spread among Jewish people to this day. So there's the news. The, the news that I, I'm, I'm reporting today is that Jesus was resurrected from the dead after having been crucified, and he is alive today. That's the news. No surprise. You probably knew that was coming, right? You're hopefully thinking, I hope he does a better job than that. I get that. But let's not move past that. This is a guy who said, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to come back to life in three days. And he pulled it off. It's never been done before, and it's never been done since. That's, that's something we need to think about. That, that's, that's newsworthy. If for any other, no other reason, then it's interesting. If it indeed happened, for which I did ask you, please, for the moment, assume that it did. That is newsworthy. And I want you just to think about what does that mean 
to the happiness that you're seeking, that you want, that you're longing for? Well, I want to try to connect those two. Let me share the news in one other way, from one other vantage point, one other angle. In John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31, this is uh, the Apostle John, and, and he speaks of and, and, and reports the news this way. He says, but one of the 12, Thomas, was not with them when Jesus came. So Jesus, these were these appearances that Christ was having after his resurrection. Verse 25, so the other disciples kept telling him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, a reference to when he was speared by the Roman centurion, I will never believe. After eight days, his disciples were indoors again and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, boo. He said, peace to you. Just imagine how that would startle him. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and observe my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be an unbeliever, but a believer. And Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Those who believe without seeing are blessed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. Did you hear the connection to our happiness? John is writing about an event, something that happened. And he's connecting meaning, and he's connecting our happiness to that event. And what he's saying there is he's saying, believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. Believe when they say Messiah, that in Jewish terms meant the anointed one, the one who was going to come and save uh, their, their nation and make it once again the, the prominent power that it once was under King David. They, they understood that militarily Jesus had bigger plans, and there'll be another time to go into that. But notice the connection in verse 31. He says, but these things are written. We've written them. We've preserved them. We have them now. And you can go and you can test the veracity and the, and the verifiability and the reliability of the New Testament. You will find that even those who don't believe the message of the New Testament believe the reporting of the New Testament, that it has historical accuracy and credibility even from those who don't believe what it means. And that's fair. You still have to decide what does this mean, but understand that what, we, what has been written is strongly attested. And John says, he brings meaning, but these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. Life. Isn't that what you're looking for? Don't you want life? And whatever that means in your mind, what does that mean? It certainly means happiness and contentment and joy. And John is connecting that. And that is why I believe that the resurrection of Christ is newsworthy news. You see, the resurrection, it is the culmination. It is the culmination of what Jesus did that blows my mind. It is the culmination of Jesus being treated as if he lived your life and, and, and receiving the result of you living your life and my life, the brokenness, the, the sinfulness, the selfishness, 
And then we receive as a gift being treated as if we live Jesus' life. I mean, that is an amazing swap. And the resurrection is the culmination of that. Jesus came. He lived that perfect life. And he said why he was doing it. He came as Savior. Not militarily speaking. That comes later. He came spiritually speaking to save us so that inside we could know the happiness and the joy and the contentment that comes when you're in right relationship with God. And the resurrection was God's stamp of approval. This is the guy. This is the man. Follow him. Put your faith and trust in him. And I will treat you as if you lived Jesus' life, and I'm going to treat him as if he lived your life. And, and the resurrection becomes the culmination of that. And I think, I think that's newsworthy. I think that's newsworthy for some of us are. But there was one verse that really jumped out at me as I was thinking through the newsworthiness of this. And it was something that Jesus said actually just a few hours before he was uh, arrested and crucified. He said in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said that before he was crucified, before he was buried in a tomb. I mean, that's powerful. That might be motivating, but, but it means nothing when he's dead. But then when he comes back to life, it means everything. So he's saying the way that we're all looking for happiness, right? I mean, we're all looking for it in different ways, ways I've described to you already. And Jesus is saying, stop looking. I'm the way. I don't point to the way. I don't teach the way. I am the way. And then he says, and I'm the truth. The truth. Not only when you're connected to Christ can you know the, the way to true happiness, but you can know the truth of what true happiness is because Jesus is the truth. It's no longer a, a riddle or puzzle to solve um, or, or game to win. How do you figure out the algorithm to what happiness is? How do I know what, really, what happiness really Some of us think we know what it is, but, but we really don't. How do we know what it really is? Jesus says, I'm the truth. When I was thinking about this, the, the, and I'm going to date myself here, and I, I apologize. Um, hopefully this movie is still so profoundly um, in your mind that, that even the youngest in here have heard of it. I saw the first of the three, The Matrix. Powerful message behind The Matrix. And I thought they did an incredibly amazing job of creating this alter reality that seemed real. But behind that was the real. And that's kind of what I think comes to mind here is we, we think we know what real happiness is and where it is and we're going after it. And we keep getting frustrated because it is exhausting and because it does create anxiety and stress. And Morpheus gives us a little peek. And Jesus has given us a vista. He says, I am the way and I am the truth. I personify the truth. Everything I say is true. If you want to know what true happiness is, know me. So I'm the way, I'm the truth. And then he tops it off with the life, right? The life. 
He doesn't say again, I'll point you to life. I'll teach you about where life is, and I'll, I'll, I'll be the model. I'll be the example that if you do just like I'm doing to the best of your ability, you'll find life, and that's not what he says. He says, I am the life. It means he, when we are connected to him in relationship with him, we find the vital, joyful, peaceful life that Christ has. And it, it becomes ours. And because we're still here and because he has not returned and we have not truly been fully redeemed with, with new bodies and all that's going to happen that, that we have to look forward to, we struggle. We go in and out between experiencing that new contentment and joy and, and peace and purpose and happiness that Christ has because we have the spirit of God that comes inside of us and we have this spirit-empowered life, but we go in and out of it because we learn very well to rely on our flesh and our own habits, and our own willpower and strength, and we battle that. I battle it. You battle it. The Christian life is, is, a, is a constant uh, process of growing to battle with it less and less, to rely more and more on our faith and our relationship in Christ. And so we have here, believe it or not, we have in the resurrection, we, we, we have the way. It's Jesus. He is the way. He doesn't point to it. He doesn't. We have the truth. We know what true happiness is. Our eyes are open to it. And we have the life. When we're connected to Christ, now we have the ability to experience true happiness. And I know that's what you're looking for. It's what I'm looking for. It's what makes this news worthy news. But I'm not going to stop there. Let's add a little bit more to the newsworthiness of what I've shared with you. The resurrection has taken away our biggest enemy to happiness, and that is death. Death is our biggest enemy. We, we know that death is just not natural. And there's something inside of us that reminds us of that. It might be the fear of dying. Why am I afraid of dying? What, what, what's, what's going on there? It's, it's when you're at a funeral of, of a young child that, that died prematurely. You think, that's just not right. Where's that come from? We've been created in the image of an eternal God who has instilled in us, planted in us eternity. We have a sense that we were designed to live forever. That death is unnatural. Now, I know somebody in here, and I want to say this very carefully. Somebody in here might actually say, I would be happier if I were dead. And, and to anyone that's feeling that, I, I want to, and we want to help you in the very realest of ways. But if you had the option between being happier than you are now, being maybe happy as you see others and want to be yourself. If you had that choice or being dead, I suspect you would choose being happy because inside of you is, is a desire to live because death is unnatural. Now, let's go to the other side. The other side of it is, well, I've seen some people who have lived a long life and death just kind of seems natural and maybe they were even struggling in that life and, and you, you, it was hard for you to see them struggle and it was hard for them to struggle and you're thinking, I'm actually happier that they're dead than what I saw them in the latter years of their life. I, I can personally uh, kind of step into that. My, my mother-in-law died uh, about six weeks ago. 
And uh, we, we were very thankful because she had endured uh, a number of years with a disease. It was very hard to watch her become not her. But if given the option and the choice that someone could live forever in a healthy state, imagine that, that parent, that relative, that um, brother or sister, that friend that, that has died and they, and, and they had a, a, a difficult life. But if they could come back, if they could be healthy, would you want them to be alive? I suspect you would. And it just, it, it reveals that death is an enemy to our happiness. And the resurrection has conquered death. But not just physical death. As sad as that is, as hard as that is, something even greater Jesus did when he lived a perfect life. He did not deserve to die, but he went ahead and died in your place and in my place to satisfy God's judgment. And God drilled all of his judgment into Christ as he was on the cross. Jesus absorbed the judgment of sin for all of humanity. And whoever put his faith and trust in Jesus' work and not their own, all of our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. So not only does physical death become a an adversary to our happiness, but spiritual death. And by spiritual death, I mean where you, you don't rely on God. There's not a relationship with God. So now it's up to you. And now we're back to what I was saying before, where it's we're anxiety, we're anxiety-ridden, we're exhausted, we're insecure, we're angry, we're broken, we're addicted. The truest form of happiness, my friends, is spiritual happiness. It is being right with God. And that happened through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And my hope, my hope, is the news that I've shared with you. To those of you that are not followers of Christ, let me just again thank you for being here. I realize some of you might be here because you were drug here, you're in trouble. Um, you're hoping something good happens to you after you come out of here. I just thank you for being here, and I hope you've heard something that gives you just a little tick to say, you know what, I need to, I need to understand Jesus better than I do. And I hope you go to that link that I'll, that'll be in our, the notes of our Facebook page that you'll just kind of say, let me really see if this really happened. Is, there, is, is this not intellectual suicide to think about that, or, or is there really some reasonableness to it? That's where I was, and I was amazed at what's out there and thankful for it. But let me close with a word to those of you who already believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead. It's your conviction. It's why you're here too as well. It's to worship him for that. I, I want you to, to notice when you look at the resurrection appearances of Christ in the first four books of the Bible and, and the first chapter of Acts, Jesus had some short interactions. He, he, uh, he popped in on two dudes walking to Emmaus. They didn't quite recognize him. They were actually held back from being able to recognize him. And, and Jesus began, uh, he, he, he acted like he didn't hear about Jesus' uh, his own death. And they were talking about it and, and how distraught they were. These were disciples of Jesus, and they're walking back going, man, we hitched our wagon, our, our horse to the wrong wagon. You know, and they were upset, and Jesus comes to explain to them what they were missing. So he does some teaching. We also see where Jesus allows them to kind of poke at him. I'm not a ghost. I'm back, and I'm back bodily. He does some teaching, um, and he does some eating. He eats fish with some guys. But then he gets to business, 
And in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. My friends, that's what a resurrection will get you. You call it, you pull it off, God's going, all right, I'm giving you all authority in heaven and on earth. And that's exactly what Jesus has. And he says, with that authority, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Now, before he said this, if you'll go back up to verse 8, I read it already, and I asked you, I, I kind of emphasized it. I want to tell you why I emphasized it. This is when the women are running back from the tomb to go to the disciples. And I want you to notice, they run back, it says, with fear and great joy. That's kind of weird. How, how do you run with both? How do you experience both? They see the empty tomb. The angel tells them he's been resurrected, just like he said. And it says that, that they run back with fear and great joy. Have you ever tried to be like super joyful at the same time you were super afraid? I mean, it's, that's challenging. But let's think about it for a minute. Let's think of the joy side. Here was the guy they were following that they thought was gone. Here's the guy who who in his teaching was profound, who made promises like, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I will provide for every need that you have. Don't be anxious, I've got you. I will give you a purpose and meaning in life to know why you're here. And that guy's alive now. And those promises now are a certain. They're assured and that, that's got to be great joy, right? Well, where's the fear come from? Well, this is a guy who pulled off coming back from the dead. Th this is a guy who deserves and who's different. He's a different cat than anybody else. And he is deserving of respect and our surrender and our submission. And that brings us to what Jesus said. And I say this to the Christians in the room. He says, go and make disciples. My friends, this is a journey that he invites us to be on. It's a journey that the resurrection was the culmination and empowers us and gives us a purpose to go and, and to share life that we found in Christ with others who are looking for life in the wrong places. My friends, it involves risk. There's a risk to being a follower of Jesus and living your, your, your faith boldly in front of other people. The stakes are high. You can make a difference in the lives of people. I, I have found my former life before this, being a pastor, I was a CPA, which for some of you, that's a certified pain in the hit, but um, I helped people. And, and, I, and I did my very best when I was working at the CPA firm to be one who had found life to share that life with others who were looking for it in many other ways except Christ. And, and, and that so much so that, that God called me out of that and, and into ministry. And it is hard. It is hard. But there's nothing more rewarding. There's nothing more joyful. There's nothing worth taking a risk for than this.
And that invitation's for you as well. To those in the room, to those of you that are Christ followers, my friends, the one who we worship, the one who called us out of the grave, out of the darkness and into the light, says, go and make disciples of all nations. Let's play our part in that, okay? My challenge this week is, first, to those of you that are not followers of Jesus, I would ask, would you please consider this morning to receive a new life in Jesus? The invitation is there. And if that is something you're sensing in your heart, you're kinda, your heart's kind of teeming with this idea, man, I, I think that's what I want to do. I, 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 I don't know where this is coming from, but I think that's what I want to do. That is God drawing you. I remember sitting in a chair where going, what is happening here? And I want to extend to you the very thing that was extended to me in a dorm room when I sensed inside that God was saying, it's go time. Let's do this. And I want to say a prayer that just quietly to yourself, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes if you would. And I just want to say a prayer that I hope and pray articulates in your heart what's going on. And only God needs to hear it. So just to God, I want you to pray this. Dear God, I thank you for loving me. And I thank you for sending Jesus to live a perfect life in my place and to die the death I deserved so that I could be forgiven forever and be in a relationship with you. Give me the courage and strength to live my life empowered by your Holy Spirit and seeking to grow in the likeness of your son Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. To those of you that are not followers of Christ, I would simply ask you, would you please take a step towards someone who does not know of the life that is found in the resurrection of Christ, in the new life that you know about? Can we take a collective step forward and pass that life on? Let's do that as a church, okay? So um, I'm gonna ask you to get your Connect card out, and as the band comes back on here, I want you to consider filling out the front, fill out the back. If, if you're making a decision, or maybe if you just prayed that prayer, would you let me know that? I would love to help you, and, and, and we would love to help you take some steps. Again, we won't rush you or push you. That's just not our style. But we'd love to help you. Or if there's something else on the back of this card, a question you have, a need that you have, uh, a prayer that we can be praying for you, a decision you've got to make, or a a diagnosis you're having to process. Let us help you. We really want to do that, okay? So fill it out while, while we sing this song together.